Welcome back to Clocks on the Motherfucking Stove. Usual host, myself, mm. Mr. Zach Watts. Here to break mm. down the nine biggest and most watch, most must-watch games of week seven of college football. Usually we do a recap with this, but um with last week, we all took all different picks and didn't do too well. And honestly, Zach and I don't want to sit here for two and a half hours doing both. So you can go to our social medias, though, check what we did and see where we went wrong. And feel free to message us if you want to shit on us, if you want to back us up, whatever. Our DMs are always open, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So let's dive in to week seven, starting us off, which in my opinion, Zach, this should have been college game day. But, you know, fuck what we think, right? Number 10, Penn State going to number five, Michigan. Michigan coming in at a minus seven favorite. This game is a noon kickoff game on Fox. Zach, would you like to start us off? Yeah, you know, um, I like what you said about the college game day aspect of this. And the reason why I agree with this so much is if you think about it from a fan's perspective, um, whether this game was in Ann Arbor or at Penn State, um, you couldn't have gone wrong either way. These are some of the most electric environments in college football. Um, the history implications between these two Big Ten teams is always uh, fun to watch, no matter what they're ranked. Um, the fact that they're both top 10 right now in the country just makes it that much more exciting. You know, there's college football playoff implications on the line heading into this game. Um, I think that makes it a must watch for that reason. The fact that it's opening up. Implications as well. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. Um, it's a good thing you mentioned that because I probably would have skimmed over that. Um, but yeah. You know, ton of implications in this game. And the fact that it opens up our Saturday with this game just kind of sets the tone for what we're going to watch. You know, it's kind of like having one of those big UFC fight cards and you got a ranked fighter fighting in the prelims. You're like, whoa, like, what the hell are they doing here? Um, but let's get into the nit and gritty of what's going on in this game. Uh, personally, I think this is going to come down to the defenses. I think we have two solid defenses with strong running games on both sides. For Michigan, Blake Corum, personally, even though I'm not a huge Michigan fan, I don't think they've been playing up to their expectations so far this year. Um, I think Blake Corum has uh, some well-deserved Heisman mentioning that he's not getting. You know, I think he needs to be talked about a little bit more. You know, it's kind of just like a QB popularity test with the Heisman up to this point. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are up in there that I don't think should be. And we're not, we're not getting any recognition to some of the running backs, uh, especially like a guy – like Blake Corum, who, you know, Michigan's had some quarterback controversy with McCarthy, and I don't even remember his other name, but, you know, they haven't had really a number one guy there, but they do have a number one back, that's for sure. Um, and on the other side, you know, I don't think it's as much as uh, Penn State having such a dominant running back room, but rather they can't trust their quarterback as much. Um, and I think that falls on the shoulders of Sean Clifford. Now, look, I don't think anyone's necessarily sold on Sean Clifford, especially not me. Um, I think, you know, if they had their backup in Allen, I believe his name is, if they had him in, um, they'd probably have a better chance in this game. But with that being said, historically, Clifford hasn't always played that bad against Michigan. Uh, in 2019, turnover free, four touchdowns, one of them rushing. 2020, only one touchdown, uh, no turnovers. Um, in 2021, one touchdown, no turnovers. So he's keeping it clean, you know, no turnovers, not losing him any games in that regard. But through the air, he's only averaging 
I think around like 180 yards passing. Um, so I think that's going to be something to know. I think they'll probably stick to going away from the passing game, trying not to expose their weakness uh, and his passing abilities. Um, another thing that I, another thing that I think super important for Penn State is I think their linebackers have to make an impact. You know, we have Curtis Jacobs, who was one of the top players in this Penn State defense. You know, if he's able to shut things down over the middle and able to fill the gaps against Blake Corum, I think that's going to be a huge tell uh, as to whether they can dictate this game or not. And lastly, I think I'll say Penn State is more talented than Michigan this year. I, I think Michigan um, is kind of in a reload phase. They've lost a lot um, in terms of draft talent. You know, Michigan's kind of having to reload, put a lot of guys back in there. Um, and on the other side of things, you know, Penn State's only gotten stronger. They didn't lose as much last year. They had a lot of sophomore and junior guys that are now able to step up into that leadership role where it's able to let them kind of excel. And I think that's where they're their strongest. Um, but given all that, um, you know, the line right now is Michigan minus seven, and I'm going to have to take Penn state plus seven. Um, you know, I still think Michigan's going to win, but I, I don't like a touchdown favorite and a top 10 matchup between two big 10 teams that are always competitive. So I'm going to ride with Penn state plus seven in this one. I like what you talked about, um, with the quarterbacks. So first of all, is it me or it feels like Sean Clifford's been there for 50 years? Like, I feel like he's he's literally been at Penn State forever. Um, I'm not really big on J.J. McCarthy. His stats look phenomenal. 94 for 120, uh, 1,152 yards, nine touchdowns, one pick. He has the number 12 uh, QBR at 82. Uh, I, I just think that the running attack of Blake Corum is what's opening him up and is what's making him so successful. On the other end, something that's kind of crazy, I was just looking through this, Zach, is that – Nick Singleton, Nick, yeah, Nick Singleton, the running back for Penn State, is a dog, okay? Extremely talented. But they don't really, like, abuse feed him. Like, Corum, like, for example, let's look at this. Corum's getting, you know, 25, 29, 30 touches a game. Singleton's getting 10, 10, 10, 12, and then 21 against Northwestern. So he's just balling on less touches. I mean – the, when I'm looking at a game like this, you're looking at an environment as, of Ann Arbor, right, which is arguably one of the best environments in college football, which is kind of ironic because Penn State, on the other hand, is arguably one of the other ones, is the last big environment they played in was at Auburn, which was on September 17th. I, I Listen, I know Auburn's not that good. I'm not saying that. But regardless of how good Auburn is, that's still a hard place to play at. You know, it's it's at Auburn. That's a you know, war eagle. That's a really good – that's a really good environment to play at. And he had 10 touches for 124 yards and two touchdowns with a 54-yard long. You know, so he's a guy that has breakaway. He, they don't they don't abuse him. And I feel like when it comes to this game, Zach, they kind of need him a little more. Sean Clifford, like you said, plays very clean football against Michigan. He's not spectacular. He's not going to do anything crazy that's going to, like, you know, make a top 10 play or, like, you know, just pick apart this Michigan defense. But – I also think that they need to utilize Nick Singleton a little more, make him more of a threat in this game, make Michigan have to stack the box, make the throws easier for Clifford. Do kind of what Dallas is doing for Cooper Rush. Don't make him do anything crazy. Just give him basic A to B passes, A to B plays, A to B play action passes. You know, let you want Sean Clifford to think as little as possible and just play the game of football. And I think by abusing Nick Singleton in this game, that's something that can help them a lot. I do think Blake Corm's a dog as well. It's weird because they don't – neither one of these teams really has like a wide receiver one. 
So defensively, I feel like both teams are going to stack the box. I think it's going to be very low scoring. I, this game has got Big Ten football written all over it. All right. It's going to be a kind of a snooze fest of great defense. And it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, in my opinion. And it could honestly might as well. It could go down to who has the ball last. Um, in my pick, I am going to take Michigan minus seven. I just don't think Penn State is I – don't, I don't think Penn State's that good. I don't think either one of these teams is really, like, being anybody spectacular. And mind you, I understand it was opening week and it was opening game, but Penn State struggled very, very, very much against Purdue at Purdue in the opening game this year. And Purdue ain't Ann Arbor, bro. I'm sorry. So I'm going to take Michigan minus seven. I wouldn't be shocked if Penn State, like you said, makes it a three-point game or a six-point game. I'm just more confident in Michigan winning. So I want to go with – I'm going to I'm gonna pull with Michigan minus seven in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, rolling into this next game, uh, we have number 19th ranked Kansas uh, heading over to Oklahoma. Um, you know, it has been anything but Boomer Sumer this year, you know. I feel kind of bad for Brent Venables. Things just haven't been going his way. Um, and, you know, for a defensive-minded coach to come into this program, they have one of the shittiest defenses in the country. Yeah. Um, the line is minus eight and a half for Oklahoma. I don't know why. I mean, I get it. Dylan Gabriel is back, um, most likely, um, which will return a ton of the firepower to this offense. Um, this game, by the way, is at noon on ESPN2, so we have another – uh, noon game, but you know, I don't, I don't know, man. Kansas is without Jalen Daniels. I know from a perspective, you look at Daniels and you're like, all right, this guy was a potential Heisman candidate the way he was leading this Kansas team. But the backup is not bad, is not bad. Jason Bean came into the game against TCU and he, he played a lot better than what Daniels was doing. Daniels had him down 14 nothing. And then it ended up taking the lead by the time Bean came in the game. So Bean comes in, takes the lead, 16 for 24, 262 yards, four tutties. Like, dude, that's crazy. Like, this man was balling. College game day. Um, Kansas. Yeah. Um, but now I'm going to go with Kansas plus eight and a half in this one, and here's why. You know, just because Gabriel's back, I don't think that's going to solve all of Oklahoma's problems, and that's because I think most of their problems reside on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Kansas has proven that their backup quarterback can play just as well. You know, their head coach has been very effective um, utilizing each of their position groups to their strengths. Um, and another issue is Oklahoma is allowing 214 yards per game, which is the worst in 12. And, you know, for a, for a Kansas team that's going to bring in their backup quarterback, they'll probably try to utilize more of the ground attack in this game. And, you know, that kind of helps considering the defense you're going up against it has one of the worst um, rushing defenses in the game. As for Kansas, no, they're 39th in the country in rush defense. They're only allowing 120 yards per game, which is a pretty good amount. But, like, when you think about Big 12 football, like, it's typical that defenses aren't, like, historically great. And if they are, then they're usually, like, a college football playoff team. Um, And I think in order for Oklahoma to win, you know, since Gabriel's coming off that head injury, they're going to have to try to rely on their ground game. And if you want to try to win that way, I – I don't know if you can. And the reason why I say they want to rely more on the ground game is because you have to try to help your defense. You know, if your defense is playing that bad, the only way to help them out is to keep them on the field the least amount of time as possible. Try to only try to ask them to only get one, one to two stops a game, maybe three to four if you can. And that's what you should be asking out of them. Don't get in a shootout 
and then expect like, hey, I need to stop here, here, here. Like it just does, it does not work. Um, it's extreme. It's going to be extremely hard fought. I think both these teams are super competitive. You know, Oklahoma has something to prove. You know, this is one of their worst starts they've had in a very long time. So I think Venables is eager to fire his team back up and really prove something with Gabriel back in the lineup. And as for Kansas, you know, you've had your best start since 07. Um, and you're looking at a very hard schedule to finish the year out. You know, you may not win a game here on out. So you got to take what you can get. You know, you're still fighting for bull eligibility. I know you're five and one, and it seems like that's almost a guarantee, but there is no guarantees in the big 12. You know, anyone can be anyone on any given week. So you're going to have to play your heart out. I think this game will be super close. And I don't think eight and a half is very telling of how bad either of these teams want it. So I'm going to take Kansas plus eight and a half in this one. So I was going to rock with Oklahoma minus eight and a half going into this, but I do like the rushing aspect you bring into it. Cause when you look at, when you look at Kansas, you know, everyone's like, Oh, Jalen Daniels, Jalen Daniels, Jalen Daniels. And I understand like he's a dog, as you stated, Bean is nothing short of bad. He's also a senior. So he understands this offense. He understands the guys around him. I understand it's Lance Leipold's first year. So, or maybe it's a second year. I don't know. He's, he's fresh. But this guy's been around this team. This guy's been in this culture. This guy's played for Kansas. He understands what's going on. I do not think he's going to have the same spectacular game against Oklahoma as he did in this TCU game. I just think that's just one of those games where it kind of set him up for success. And, you know, he was at home, college game. There was a lot of things going for it. But in the rushing aspect, when when Kansas played TCU, they had one, two, three, four, five, six guys have, have at least one rushing attempt. So they're going to move the ball around. And I think – I'm going to kind of relate this game to the same way I'm going to relate to the last game. Kansas needs to let Bean not think. Okay. If Kansas wants to win this game, what they're going to do is they're going to just move the ball around, rush it, open it up and make him play easy. Jalen Daniels brought in the factor of his feet that Bean doesn't bring in. That's just a known fact. Bean isn't bad on his feet, but Jalen Daniels was fast. He was electric. His feet threatened and opened up the passing more. I don't think Bean brings that same threat and and concern into Oklahoma as as Daniels would have. But I do think it's scheme-wise makes it a little bit more difficult for Oklahoma because now you don't really know what to expect, and you also don't have to just focus on the quarterback. You kind of have to focus on the whole team now. I don't think Kansas will win this game. I think bringing Dylan Gabriel back, playing in Norman, I think that um, I think that it's going to be a very high-scoring, close game. But I think Kansas is going to pull it out in the fourth quarter Excuse me. I think Oklahoma is going to pull it out in the fourth quarter. I'll, I'll rock with you with Kansas plus eight and a half. I could see Oklahoma winning it by like a touchdown, but I just don't think that there's enough. I I can't I, when I when I think of this game, I see more ways to win for Oklahoma than I do for Kansas. But I do agree that Kansas can keep it close, especially with the big playability they've been doing this year. And for some reason, they've just they every game they've played, they they've found a way. You know, and I think I think they're going to keep that going. I don't think it's all luck. I think Leipold's a great coach. And, you know, he was at Buffalo before and he turned their program around. Look how bad they're doing without him now. So I do think they'll be prepared. And I think the preparation is something that's big. I also think there's a factor that I don't think Gabriel's going to run. I think he's going to be a little more hesitant. He took a huge hit, regardless if it was legal or not. He took a huge hit, you know, so he's going to be a little more hesitant to use his feet, which is what opens up a lot of his game. And it's the same thing that happened to UCF. I see him being a little more hesitant in this offense, taking a little bit longer to develop. I'll rock with you with, with Kansas play plus eight and a half, but I do think Oklahoma's going to take away the win. Yeah. Um, you know, the over-under is at 64, and I'm, I kind of want to take the over, and the only reason I say that – Well, I was just looking at that. Yeah. The only reason I say that is uh, anytime Oklahoma's played a ranked opponent, they've given up over 40 points a game. Kansas State 
41-34, lost. Played TCU, lost, 55-24. Um, given that was the game Gabriel went down, but still 55 points given up. Texas, 49 nothing, Ass whooping. Like, just they've their defense just, no matter what, can't get stops. And if you want to look at it, hey, yeah, I guess they held Nebraska to 14, but Nebraska couldn't put 14 up on Georgia Southern if they tried. Well, they did, actually did play them and did put up more. But the other thing is, too, Zach, I'm going to look at it that way. Oklahoma's letting all these points up, but even when Kansas wins, they're letting up a lot of points. They let up 42 from West Virginia, 30 from Houston, and 27 from Duke. Now they had a boring-ass game with Iowa State, which was 14 to 11, but 38 from TCU. These are just teams that they're they just they're Big Twelve teams, bro. They they're def- they only play defense when it, like in certain drives that really matter. And I I I'm honestly let's take the over. I like it. Fuck it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take the over here. Um, at sixty four, I'm about it. Um, yeah, let's keep it moving. Next game, I'll I'll take this one off, dude. I'm very intrigued by this game. I do not think it's going to be anything like spectacular or like crazy fun to watch but i think it's going to be gritty big 10 this is going to be a gritty big 10 ass game minnesota going to number 24 illinois another noon game on the big 10 network by the way talk about a noon slate of college football bro holy crap we're getting great games to start off our day you know minnesota coming in a minus six and a half favorite there's a lot of points i want to bring up here because these two teams are almost mere images of one another so let's start it off Minnesota coming off a horrible loss versus Purdue at home. They lost 20 to 10. Their star quarterback, Tanner Morgan, who reminds me a lot of Sean Clifford, who feels like he's been there for fucking eternity. He went 18 for 33, 257 yards, zero touchdowns and three picks and a minus one rushing yard. He did not play well. Now, listen, there was a pick or two where he literally hit his receivers in the hands and it threw came out of their hands and it got picked. I understand you can't control that. That's not your fault as a quarterback. But the thing is, is this Minnesota team, you know, you listen to Joel Klatt, you listen to, to all these other guys, they were talking about this Minnesota team going undefeated and going to the Big Ten Championship. You know, I don't see that from them. I think they're too inconsistent. Now, gr- um, granted, in their favor, they did not have uh, Mohamed Ibrahim in that game, which also hurts them, who is basically their entire offense and does help open up um, Tanner Morgan. But from the other side of it, dude, this Illinois defense is one of the best in college football. Most forced incompletions of Power 5 football, or come, both are Illinois players at 11, with Devin Witherspoon, Jatavius Martin. They only allow eight points per game. They've only allowed one rushing touchdown all season. On the other side, Minnesota's defense is a mere image of that. Only allowed two rushing touchdowns and only allows 8.8 yards per carry, or excuse me, 8.8 uh, points per game. I don't know why I just paused out there. To me, Zach, this is going to be a battle of running backs versus the defense. Defensive schemes versus running backs. Two elite running backs. Look at Illinois. Chase Brown, 515 rushing yards after contact, leads FBS. 28 rushes of 10-plus yards, leads Power 5. 16 rushes, 16 rush attempts of 15-plus yards, leads Power 5. On the other side, Muhammad Ibrahim. Did not play versus Purdue to an ankle injury Michigan State game. Besides that, he's averaging 21 attempts per game, so it's showing you that they're abusing him. They, they're using him to open up which is also why I believe it was a reason Tanner Morgan played so poorly. There was no threat of the run with, with uh, Ibrahim that made his throwing more open or developed a more play-action pass-worthy offense, and which is what Minnesota and this P.J. Fleck team usually do. But he has 567 yards and eight touchdowns of 6.4 yards per carry and is arguably one of the best running backs in the country. When I look at this game, 
I see Minnesota minus six and a half at Illinois. I think it is going to be a super, super, super low scoring, boring, gritty Big Ten game. But I'm gonna but I'm gonna take Illinois plus six and a half. Even if Minnesota wins, they're not winning by a touchdown. It's gonna be exactly how the game was last week at Iowa, a six to nine game. I honestly these teams are better, so I don't see it being as as low scoring and as bad. But I don't see it either team. I don't see either team beating each other by more than a touchdown. Personally, you know, so I'm gonna rock with uh, I'm gonna rock with Illinois plus six and a half. And real quick before you go, Zach, I do want to peep the over under because if it's if it's and no, nah, it's not worth it. Thirty nine. Yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna yeah. rock with Illinois minus or excuse me plus six and a half. I think Brett Belima is a great coach. They should be undefeated. They shit the bed hard against the Indiana team as we had that pick in week one of college football. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be boring, low scoring, but it's going to be fun and gritty. Two great running backs, two great defenses. I just think that at home with the hype, Illinois is ranked for the first time in 11 years. I'm going to take Illinois at home plus six and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, I agree with you on most of all the points you brought up. You know, I think this Illinois defense has made huge improvements um, once they brought in that head coach. I think they've made incredible strides. You know, we talked about Witherspoon and Martin being locked down in that secondary. And then, of course, the Russian defense only giving up a touchdown. Now, I understand from Minnesota th- side of things, you finally get Ibrahim back, which should help a ton of your offensive production. You know, it should really open up a lot of things, not only in the run game, but the passing game as well. Um, you know, you kind of forced your hand too much with Tanner Morgan, you know, and he ended up throwing three picks. Um, I know that sucks, but this has got to be a bounce back week for him. Given that, though, I think an important tell for this is looking at the schedule. Both of these teams have kind of had similar schedules in terms of um, quality of opponents. You know, you look at Minnesota, Purdue, Michigan State, Colorado, New Mexico State and WIU, like dog shit opponents. But they did what they were supposed to pretty much blowing every team out, holding them below 10 points. And then you finally play one quality opponent in Purdue. And I guess Michigan State's kind of on their level, but I think Purdue's better. And then you lose 20 to 10. Yeah. Yeah. And then you lose. On the Illinois side of things, however, it's kind of the opposite. You know, you opened up against Wyoming, finally played um, a Big Ten opponent super early in the year. And you that was kind of like your wake-up call. You got slapped in the face by Indiana since then. 24 to 3 win, 31 nothing, 34 to 10. And then obviously you play Iowa, which is always a tough draw. Um, you played them at home, though, pulled out a win, 9 to 6, as you needed to. Um, but that's a good quality opponent. I think Minnesota, however, um, kind of in that boat where they've played week, 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 and then had to play strong, got slapped in the face. Illinois, kind of the opposite. Smacked early, beat everyone that was weak, and then kind of got a similar situation where they play somewhat of a quality opponent, but still were able to pull out a win. You know, that shows you that they're able to adjust week in and week out. Um, so given that I'm going to take Illinois plus six and a half in this one as well. Um, I just think they've played more quality defenses as compared to Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota has necessarily been tested that much. And I think this Illinois defense has more to offer. I think they can win the turnover battle. And if they can win the turnover battle, then the most likely win the game on the ground. Um, yeah, so um, especially with the rushing attack as well, just from an offensive standpoint, I think if they're able to get an early lead and keep things on the ground and dictate the pace of play, even if they don't win the game outright, they still shouldn't be losing by more than 10 points or six and a half. 
um, that's just kind of how I see it. So give me Illinois plus six and a half. The other thing I want to know, Zach, real quick is um, is that Wisconsin game for Illinois. I think this is kind of a selling factor for me as well. Listen, I know this is the game that got Paul Christ, Paul Chris fired. I understand that. But what you need to also understand is regardless of how they were playing, their like Wisconsin's rushing offense was still elite. You know, like, yeah, their offense wasn't diverse and it wasn't versatile, but they, their rushing offense was elite. And at Wisconsin, they held Wisconsin to two rushing yards. Two. Two rushing yards. Okay? Minnesota's rushing offense is not better than Wisconsin's. They're not. And on top of that, they ran all over Wisconsin's defense, who I would argue is better than Minnesota's defense. And this was at Wisconsin. I don't – I think that this Minnesota team is a little more cleaned up and better in certain areas. When it comes to rushing attack and to overall defense, I think that Wisconsin's better in those two categories. And for Illinois to put up 34 on their defense and shut up, shut them down to two yards on rushing, I think it's going to be a long day for this, this Minnesota offense to get going to the point where they might need to rely on Tanner Morgan, and you're going to see a similar, a singular, similar outcome as you did in the Purdue game where you're going to try to do too much, and it's going to end up biting them in the ass. Yeah. Um. I agree with everything. Moving on from that game, we have probably we have our college game day, um, arguably our game of the week in terms of just hype going into it. So many things, rivalry, SEC, just wow. Number three Alabama heading to Knoxville to take on number six Tennessee. Can you ask for a better game? Uh, Alabama is nine point favorites in this. The line started at minus seven, and I think that's important to note because. You know, based off everything that's been happening recently, everything looks to be going in the momentum side of things towards Tennessee. You know, you'd think the way Hennon Hooker's been playing, the way they've been able to just blow teams out of the water, um, they would have the hype going into this. And for Alabama, you know, Bryce Young has been struggling. You know, we don't even know if he'll play or not. His shoulder still remains questionable. Um, so we won't even know if he's going to play or not until game time decision. So you would think the obvious bet would be to take Alec or Tennessee – plus seven, or even now plus nine. However, I'm going to take Alabama minus nine. And let me tell you why. Even if Bryce Young, which I think he will play if he ends up starting, he's not going to decide this game. I think the matchup to watch for is on the ground. You know, Jameer Gibbs uh, for Alabama has been an absolute weapon, uh, not only in the passing game, but running the ball as well. He's got explosive speed. Um, he does a great job of diagnosing gaps. I think Alabama is going to win the game in the trenches, which is going to open up a lot of holes. Um, aside from that, if I think the way Tennessee has kind of been playing this year is more of a shootout type of style. You know, they dominated LSU on the road last week, which, you know, should give you a lot of hype. But if you think about it, how they've played other teams this year, you know, they had a really tough matchup against Pittsburgh, who's dropped a lot of games to shitty teams. And then they made Anthony Richardson, who prior to that game had a QBR of four, throw for 400 yards so i don't understand at tennessee at at tennessee and you played terribly so if you want to get into a shootout with alabama hey ballsy is ballsy as hell you know all the power to you but guess what alabama as will anderson said going into this matchup we still are the standard and that is because nick saban is a defensive guru you know he throws schemes at college quarterbacks that they've never seen before you know they don't know how to diagnose um blitz packages that Saban's able to come up with. I just don't think they have that capability to do that. Um, another thing that Tennessee has really struggled with this year is they don't have an elite pass rusher. 
I don't think they have anyone that really is going to concern Bryce Young in that pocket. And, you know, if this would have been an early Alabama team, like back in the 08, uh, 13 and before, like 2013 and before, they were always a one-back style team. You know, give it to Derrick Henry or uh, Mark Ingram. One of those guys running between the tackles, beat you on the ground. You know, Trent Richardson style. That isn't the case anymore. You know, we've seen it with Tua, Hurts, Mac Jones, and now Bryce Young. They get quality quarterback talent year in and year out. And I think, I think the only reason teams have been even like are able to keep things close with Alabama this year is because of how well they're able to put pressure on Bryce Young in the pocket. You know, we saw how well Texas was able to get into the backfield and force Bryce Young to make bad passes or even get quarterback pressures to make him throw the ball early and not not get to his second and third reads. We saw with Texas A&M, you know, the reason why Texas A&M lost that game wasn't because their defense. It was because their offensive playbook is so outdated that they weren't able to catch Alabama off guard with, any, with anything. Another thing I want to mention, Tennessee is probably going to be without one of their best DBs on an already lacking secondary that hasn't been playing up to standard. Look, as much hype as you want to give Tennessee going into this game, as well as they played against LSU and all this, this is not a good matchup for them. And if you don't have the proper matchup to face an Alabama team, given its injuries, you're going to get your ass whooped, even if it's at home. Because I can promise you this, if there's anyone that's going to have Nick Saban ready for a top 10 game in a dangerous environment like Knoxville, it's going to be Nick Saban. I promise you. So I'm going to take Alabama minus nine here, even if Bryce Young doesn't play, because I think their backup quarterback adds more of an issue with pocket presence and pocket mobility, at least. You know, he's able to take things outside of the pocket and gain yards with his feet. And, you know, I think Gibbs is going to be the deciding factor. I don't even think Young will have to decide this game. Um, so, yeah, enough said about that. Alabama minus nine. That's my pick. See, I wanted to go Tennessee plus nine um, because I thought, you know, with the Bryce Young situations, iffy. And then you look at the Texas game, where it's like, well, they won by one point at Texas. You know, this Tennessee, um, this, this Tennessee environment, in my opinion, better than the Texas environment. Hendon Hooker hasn't even thrown an interception this year. I think the reason why I want to uh, – honestly, the, the biggest reason, Zach, is is the passing defense of Tennessee. They're letting up 340 – excuse me, 307 passing yards a game. That's atrocious as an SEC defense. And like you said, their number one cornerback is out this game due to an assault charge, okay? He's not even, he's not even playing. So your, your DBs – your secondary already sucks, and now your best guy in your shitty secondary is not even going to be there. I think it's going to be be way too much for them, as well as I don't think I don't think Hendon Hooker has gone against a, a front seven like Alabama. He hasn't had Will Anderson breathing down his neck. He hasn't had. I just think that the pressure from this Alabama defense is going to make him mess up, and we have not seen him face adversity yet. And I think it's going to be a rude awakening for him when he gets sacked and fumbles or throws his first pick or something stupid goes down because they don't really have another person to rely on. You know, they don't really have like, oh, we can bank on this. We, I, he is their offense. And I think once they shut him down, it's going to be hard. Now, I don't think it'll happen right away. I do think he's extremely talented and they're going to do everything they can to keep him protected and keep him making the plays that he's been making all season. But I think in the second half is where you're going to see it. And this is where you see Tennessee struggle the most, especially in that UF game when they were at home is this, was in the second half. And Nick Saban is the best halftime adjustment coach of all time. So I just think that I think it'll be close, but I think Alabama will pull away with nine points. And if it wasn't for that cornerback being hurt, I, I probably would take Tennessee plus nine, but I just feel like it's just, it's just not going to be in their favor. Yeah. And 
you know, I feel like if there's any team in the country that can play without a Heisman candidate player, it's going to be Alabama. They have another five-star right behind him. You, I mean, we saw it when he went out. Their backup played just as good, if not better, yeah. moving the ball. Um, they just utilize other players because, you know, Nick Saban said it best. Um, and this is one of my favorite quotes from him. He goes, when the game is on the line, you don't have a set play you should be thinking of. You should, be, you should have a player that you need to get the ball to. That's how it should always be. You should never rely on plays itself. It's the players you rely on because they're the ones that make shit happen. You can game plan as much as you want. You can be the smartest coach on the earth. If you do not have the players to execute, you're not going to get it done, plain and simple. And I just think Alabama has more playmakers on both sides of the ball to get things done. And I think they have the defensive weapons to match up with this assaulting over-the-top Tennessee offense. I know Hendon Hooker's been playing great. I think all the Heisman candidates, um, talk has been well earned by him, but this is going to kind of be where his Heisman candidacy ends. Now, the um, only thing I will say, though, this is the only thing I will say, and we saw it in the Texas A&M game, and we saw it in the, and we saw it in the Texas game. Alabama cannot start slow this game. That would that yes. that will be the formula for Tennessee to win this game. Alabama cannot start slow. They need to get the ball rolling instantly because Tennessee starts fast, and every game they played this year, they start off off rip. Alabama cannot start slow. That will be the hardest comeback for them, in my opinion, th- thus far in this game. They have to start fast. Yeah. Um, our next game, you know, another top 25 matchup, top 15 matchup, if you will. Uh, we have number eight, Oklahoma State, going to number 13 ranked TCU. This game will be played at 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Um, TCU is minus four point favorites. And, you know, I kind of said earlier, we talk a lot about trap games. You know, you see Oklahoma State as the higher rank um, and you see TCU at minus four. Look, I don't think this is as much as a trap game. I think the obvious pick here is to take Oklahoma State plus four. And I'll tell you why. I don't think TCU has played nearly as strong of a team as Oklahoma State, you know, Oklahoma State just as, as the depth. I think Mike Gundy is a great coach. I think this is finally going to be one of those years he's able to make a deep run. Hopefully they'll make the college football playoff. We'll see. Um, but look, these are both two Big 12 teams. They're the last two undefeated teams remaining in the conference. There's conference championship implications on the line. Um, for Oklahoma State, you know, They have Spencer Sanders, who last came through for 353 yards and three touchdowns. And on TCU's side, you have Dugan. Um, He's been playing solid, but I don't think his Heisman credentials have been nearly as good as Sanders, and I don't think they're even deserved. Um, Like we said, it's more of a popularity contest. I will say, though, last meeting, Oklahoma State crushed this TCU team, 63-17. to However, um, because the Horned Frogs have a new head coach in Sonny Dykes, I think Sonny Dykes – has a completely new team at the helm. I think this team is being run completely differently. They're playing way more clean football. They're playing aggressive. Um, they have more stuff up their sleeve. But I, the reason why I want to take Oklahoma State plus four in this game is really simple. I think Oklahoma State's defensive line is good enough to cause problems for a shaky TCU offensive line. I don't think TCU has matched up this year with much. I'll try to pull up their offensive line real quick. But I do know based off stats – that they're allowing a 6.9% sack rate, which is 105th in the country. And that's not what you want to see, especially as a Big 12 team. You know, you're kind of built on your passing attack. Um, You know, they do have a good run scheme. I think Sonny Dykes is able to mix things up well enough. 
But the problem is, is on downs where you need to pass and Oklahoma State knows that, Gundy's going to have something drawn up to bring some pressure to Dugan. And I just don't think Dugan can necessarily play as well. Um, I'll try to find it real quick. But, Grayson, you can go ahead with your points while I try to find um, – cool. The first thing I want to state is, can we just both acknowledge that Sonny Dykes is doing a fucking spectacular job as a head coach? I mean, this TCU team was pretty much dog shit last year. He comes in in his first year, loses their best offensive weapon, Zach Evans, who transfers to Ole Miss, and has them at 5-0 and number 13 in the country from after coming in from SMU. So I just want to give credit to Sonny Dykes first and foremost. He's doing a spectacular job as a head coach out there at TCU. Um, there's a couple things I want to note. First of all, Brandon Walker for um, – um, uh, unnecessary roughness for uh, Barstool is taking TCU minus four, and that's already given me a weird red flag. Also, some fun facts for you, Zach. Spencer Sanders has 29 wins as Oklahoma State starting quarterback, which is three shy of Mason Rudolph's record of most wins at, at, as quarterback Oklahoma State history, as well as the Cowboys are five and one in their last six ranked matchups with their one loss being to Baylor, the Big, Big 12 championship, in which they should have fucking won, okay? I'm going to rock with Oklahoma State plus four. I, th I do think this TCU team's good. I just don't think that they're of the caliber of this Oklahoma State team. This TCU team's kind of like in a rebuild with, you know, with bringing in a new coach, losing Zach Evans, you know. They're still kind of finding themselves, and they're playing good football, but this Oklahoma State team is like the exact same team as last year. They're, they're the same team. Mike Gundy's been in these big games before. Sonny, this is the biggest game Sonny Dykes ever coached. You know, Mike Gundy's been here. And you said it in the last college football pod, and you're not wrong. Oklahoma State wins the, wins the big games, and they lose the shitty ones. So I don't, I don't see Oklahoma State losing this game. Um, I think TCU's solid. I think they're a very good team. I'm not discrediting them in any aspect. I just think Oklahoma State's been here. It's going to come down to experience and, and comfortability. Oklahoma State's been here before. Oklahoma State knows what they're doing in these big games. This TCU squad, they really don't know what they're doing. And I just don't think – I think there's just – there's more ways to win for Oklahoma State than TCU, and I think they're just an overall better team. Now, I wouldn't be, like, utterly shocked if TCU wins. I just I, – I really think Oklahoma State's better. And even though it's at TCU, I don't think TCU is, like, a super hard place to play. I, honestly, I could never tell you a single time I've heard about their atmosphere being nuts. I think Oklahoma State's going to take it. I think I think they're going to win this game. I'm going to take Oklahoma State plus four. Yeah. Um, just one more thing I'll add to this. I think the over at 68 and a half is 100% getting hit. Um, both of these two teams in their last game, even against uh, quality opponents, you know, Oklahoma State played Texas Tech, 72 points combined in that. TCU's last game against 19th ring Kansas, um, 72 points in that. So we're both – Super high-scoring games on both sides. You know, if you look at TCU's last five games, 31 points, 24, 34, 17, 13. And that 13 and 17 came against a FCS school and Colorado, who suck. Who's uh, arguably the worst team in football. Yes. Um, and if you look at Oklahoma State's side of things, 44 points given up against Central Michigan. 17 points given up, and given up against an Arizona State team who was giving out their playbook to other teams. Um, 25 given up to Baylor and 31, as I said, 31 given up to Texas Tech. Defense will be non-existent. We know what we're getting out of Big 12 games. Don't overthink it. The over should hit in this at 68 and a half. I think it's a lock. Two very quality quarterbacks and two offensive-minded coaches that aren't going to give a shit how much points they give up so long as they're scoring touchdowns. This will be a fun-ass game to watch, by the way. It's going to be the exact opposite of the Michigan-Penn State game. Yes. Um, moving on from this, though, 
I think we go from one of the most exciting games of the day to probably one of the least hype top 25 matchups. We have number 15 ranked NC State going to New York to take on number 18 ranked Syracuse. Syracuse is minus three and a half in this. This game will also be at 3.30 p.m. on the ACC network. Look, I don't understand. Um, I know you'll touch on this more, Grayson, but I don't understand how a top 25 matchup is on a specific networking program such as ACC that you have to pay for. This should be on cable television. Um, but getting into the nitty-gritty of this game, look, on offense for the Wolfpack, they're scoring 30.5 points per game and averaging seven, 371 yards of total yards. That's the 67th most points scored per game and the 91st most yards per game. Um, quarterback Devin Leary for the Wolfpack is listed out on the injury reports with an upper body injury. But keep an eye on the status of this because this could be updated by game time. We're not positive. This will probably be a game time decision as well. That's why I'm not too confident. Um, on defense, the Wolfpack is allowing 15.7 points per game, which is the 16th least in the country, and they've relied on their defense all season. Um, they're great against the pass. They're also allowing about 300 yards per game, which is 17th in the nation. On the other side of things, you want to look at Syracuse. Syracuse on offense is scoring 38.4 points per game. They're averaging over 440 yards of total uh, yards per game, and that's the 23rd most points per game and the 39th most yards. However, I think that NC State's strengths rely within their pass defense, but guess what? Syracuse is a team that relies on their rushing attack. You know, they're averaging over 190 yards rushing per game, which is the 35th most, and that's mainly in part because of Sean Tucker. Yes. And I think Sean, I think Sean Tucker is going to walk away from this game extremely pleased with his performance. Um, you know, this is a guy where um, you look at NC State, I think they rely too much on their pass. You know, we kind of saw Florida State really put most of their points up against them last week. Florida State should have won if they would have relied more on the run game and didn't decide to fucking pass on second down. But I'm not going to get – I'm not going to let that upset me because I've already, I've already bit the bullet too many times for Florida State already this year. Um, but – couple more things. Um, I think it's going to be extremely difficult to move the ball against the Syracuse team. Even if Leary's back, he's probably going to be battling through injury. He's, he doesn't make a ton of the correct plays anyway. You know, he's got – I'll give him credit. The man has balls. He's able to take some hits while making big throws. But, look, if he takes any more hits like he has these past couple games, he's not going to be in the game very long. This, te- this uh, Syracuse team, excuse me, puts a ton of pressure on quarterbacks. They're great with their front seven. Um, they're only – Syracuse is only allowing 176 passing yards per game, which is the 18th least in the country. And they're only allowing 95 rushing yards per game, which is 16th least in the country. Um, so Syracuse defensively is just better matched up for this. I think NC State, even if they'd have their full offense in the game, I just don't think that they'll have as much practice time as they will need. So I'm going to take Syracuse minus three and a half at this one. Yeah, so you know what's crazy, Zach, is going into this, I told – I mean, even when we did, like, the, the pod outline, I, I was like, dude, there's no way Syracuse is winning this game. And the more I look into it and the more I do it, the more I like Syracuse in this game. It's at home. They honestly have a very underrated home atmosphere in that dome. It's not huge, but they, their fans get after it. It's going to be sold out because it's a big game. Um, and I also want to I also want to bring up the fact that Devin Leary is probably not playing. Let's be honest. He's not. And their backup quarterback, 25-year-old. Didn't even pass. Did not pass in the second half. 20, 25-year-old. Um, what the fuck is his name? I just read his name. Uh, Jack Chambers. A... Jack Chambers, I think. Yeah, yeah, Jack Chambers. Charleston Southern transfer. He had one completed pass in the second half against Florida State. So they're going to shut his ass down. 
I think their offense is booty. Even if Devin Leary plays, I don't think their offense is good at all. He didn't do shit against Florida State. He had one drive where he looked good. I think that this Syracuse team, especially with with the the lack of production that you see out of um, NC State's defense offense, I think they're all, I think Syracuse's offense is explosive and they're good. They put up a lot of points: 31, 48, 32. I mean, twenty two against Virginia, which was a shitty fifty nine against Wagner last week. They put up points. Their quarterback Schrader, 90 for 120, 127, 12, 24 yards, 10 touchdowns, one pick. They're going to, with Sean Tucker, 110 carries, 546 yards, five touchdowns. Very pleased on his season. I think that the amount of pressure and volume that this offense can bring from Syracuse, I think that, I think NC State's going to be playing catch up the whole game. And the problem is, is it especially if Leary doesn't play? Jambers is not going to be able to catch up and start slinging the rock. He's not good enough to do that. That's just not how – that's not the kind of quarterback he is. He's a more on-the-feet run quarterback. I mean, look, that's what Charles and Southern's offense is, you know. So, I like Syracuse. Give me Syracuse what, – what was it? Minus three and a half? Minus three? Mm-hmm. It's minus three now. Give me minus, Give me Syracuse minus three. I'll take it at home. I think that they have more, more offensive power, and I think they're going to really shut down uh, Chambers. And even if it's Leary, I don't think he's going to do anything much different. I think they're going to be playing catch up the whole game, and I think this this at home atmosphere five and zero. It's the first ranked matchup in this dome since two thousand and one. How crazy is that? Okay, I like Syracuse in this game, bro. Give me Syracuse. Let me let me also point something out. People like to say, well, oh well, NC State kept it extremely close with Clemson. You know, only a ten point loss. Yeah, I'll give them that. But guess what? That was to a passing oriented team. They play extremely well against the pass. You look at Florida State and ECU, who are primarily on-the-ground teams, both teams who should have made field goals would have put NC State – I don't know NC State's record right now, but what? 5-1. But, dude, also, if you look at the Clemson game, the score did not tell that game. They got fucked. They didn't move the ball past the half yard. Dude, I think they had maybe two drives in the fourth quarter – or, excuse me, the second half past the 50. Like, they they got manhandled. You know, they really did not – they were playing – and they were – exactly how I think the Syracuse game's going to go. They were playing behind, and they don't have enough offensive firepower to start just scoring points fast. Their team has to develop. They open up their pass. They they, they take long drives. They control the clock. They're not a boom, 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 boom team, and this Syracuse team is. So I, I'm telling you, I think, I think Syracuse is going to take this one. Yeah, because, I mean, if this was an unranked NC State team at 3-3 three and three, taking on this – Five and one, six and zero, oh, whatever. Which it could have been. Seriously, which it very it well could have, been. could have been. Would we have any problem of taking Syracuse minus three and a half? No, but because it has that fifteenth rank in front of NC State, people are way overhyping NC State more than they need to be. So that's why I'm kind of on Syracuse side of things, and I just think Sean Tucker is that dude. Um, and any Sean NFL team, is, dude. Sean if we if we could get him on the pod, that'd be my favorite guest of all time. Yeah. Um, check out his Twitter. On. If you don't, if you don't know who Sean Tucker is, check out his Twitter, bro. He is the most wholesome ass wholesome so yeah yeah just great for the game of college football is going to make an nfl team extremely happy that they drafted him come draft day um we'll be we'll always be rooting for him um our next game i think this game is going a little bit under the radar and i just think it's because it's a non-power five game and for you football casuals that don't tune in to non-power five matchups you're missing out because i said in one of our games of the week i had james madison going against app state Guess what? That might be game of the year. This game, though, not not so much. I think James Madison is going to probably blow this team out. Um, so number 25 ranked James Madison. It's their first year in FBS. They're 12 and a half point favorites over 
uh, Georgia Southern. This game is at Georgia Southern. It's at 4 p.m. and you can watch it on ESPN Plus. Look, JMU has the best rush defense in the country in terms of yards given up, 41 yards per game. That is insane. Um, unfortunately, JMU is not eligible for the postseason due to the NCAA rules requiring a two-year transition period for new no FBS. No way. Are you serious? For two years, they can't do it. Now, their AD is fighting to change this because, personally, I think it's bullshit. Because how are you going to – You're getting punished? Play. Yeah, you're getting punished for going up in competition, and now you can't play for bowl eligibility. I think it's complete bullshit. I think it's unfair to all that. It hurts recruiting. It like the whole point of going to division one is to start like raising levels of competition. No one's going to want to commit to your school out of the gates. if You're not even getting a chance to play in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, why would you, why would you even do that? I think it's complete bullshit. Hopefully that gets changed because the way this JMU team has been playing has been insane. They've been the biggest surprise all year. The fact that it's their first year in the FBS, they're still undefeated. They're playing amazingly. They're ranked. Um, and I think they're it, ranked. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's in huge part due to JMU's quarterback, uh, Todd Cintio. Sorry if I butchered that name, but he has 15 passing touchdowns on the year with just one interception, two more touchdowns on the ground. Um, he's been a huge part of their offense. On the other side of things, look, Georgia Southern is the 12th worst defense in all of FBS. Going up against a JMU team that's averaging like 50 points a game, that is not a good place to be. That is not a good place to be. Not only that, quarterback Kyle Van Trees for um, Georgia Southern is averaging two picks a game. So you're going to have to pass the ball anyway. They're going to end up turning it over. I don't think 12 – I think the only reason this line is at 12 and a half is because people still don't respect James Madison. And I get it. Georgia Southern, you know, they've been in the FBS longer. They know how to play against better quality competition. Guess what? Not against this caliber. They played against a rival Georgia State and got blown out of the water. So I'm going to go James Madison minus 12 and a half here. I think they've been doing everything right this year. I don't know why this line is as close as it is. And I think we're going to get a blowout from James Madison here. Yeah, I think so too. And going into this game, before we started digesting it, I actually was going to take Georgia Southern plus 12 and a half because even though when they lose games, they only lose by one score. And Clay Hel uh, Clay Helton, I believe is how you say their head coach's name, he was an old USC coach. So, you know, he's coached top-level games before. They beat Norton, Nebraska, and Nebraska. Like, they're not a horrible team. They're really not. They're not a horrible team. They're, they're, they're probably go 6-6 six and six and play in like an FAU bowl game, you know. But – the, the biggest concern for me here, Zach, is you look at the sacks, right? You're talking about this amazing rush defense for, for James Madison. Uh, I don't know if his first name is Kyle. It's got to be Kyle, right? Yeah. Kyle Van Treese, the starting quarterback for um, – for, uh, for Georgia Southern. He's been sacked 11 – excuse me, he has 11 picks this year and has been sacked twice and has, uh, I think, negative rushing yards. And, like, his 40 rushing yards, like, terrible. James Madison's defense has 18 sacks on five games. So they bring the pressure. You're telling me this kid that th that's 11 picks? There's no way. There's just no – I understand they kept it close with these other teams. I think this JMU team is just a force to be reckoned with. And I don't – there's just I, – I can't find a way in my head for Georgia Southern to keep this game close. I mean, it's at home, but, I mean, I don't think Georgia Southern's fucking selling out games. I think JM, James Madison's going to win big Big and low key a statement game, honestly. Mm -hmm. I agree. James Madison minus 12 and a half. Lock it in. Next game, number 16, Mississippi State at number 22, Big Blue, Kentucky. Mississippi State coming in at a minus three and a half favorite. 7 30 p.m. SEC network. Another weird how this is on a, a, a division or a conference channel. Very weird. 
Fun fact. So Mississippi State gets his big win against Arkansas last week. Everyone's freaking the fuck out. Mike Leach's offense, da 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 KJ Jefferson didn't even play, and he's literally the entire Arkansas team. Okay. Second thing, everyone's like, oh, South Carolina beat Kentucky. Will Levis didn't play. He's the whole offense for Kentucky. So it's kind of a weird game going into this game, in my opinion. You know, um, Mississippi State, Mike Leach offense, you know, they're going to sling the rock. Will Rogers, their quarterback, is doing a spectacular job. I'm not here to shit on him. 202 for 282, 2,100 yards, 22 touchdowns and three picks. He's doing a spectacular job. Not going to discredit him at all. When it, when I look at this game, though, you look at um, you look at what's it called? Passing yards. They're, they're throwing 354 yards a game. But Kentucky's only allow, allowing 174 passing yards a game. It's at Kentucky. That's a good environment. Will Levis is back. There's going to be a lot of hype. This is a weird game because I feel like it can kind of go either way. And I don't really know what's going to happen. Both teams are kind of like in a weird, you know, I don't, it's weird. It's, it's very weird. It just has weird written all over it. At the end of the day, I think Kentucky's an overall um, better team than Mississippi State. And I think once they shut down the, the passing game, there's just no – there's no hope for Mississippi State. I do think Mississippi State will come out hot and start off well, but I think they'll start deteriorating down th- uh, throughout the game. Give me Kentucky plus three and a half. Fair enough. Um, look, I haven't seen either of these teams play much this year. I don't think I've really seen any of Mississippi State. Personally, I'm just not a big fan of them. Kentucky, I did watch their one game against Ole Miss, which was a shit show. Um, look, I want to take Mississippi State minus three and a half here, and I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Um Look, Will Levis returning off of injury never helps. I think their O-line is very sketch. And also his top two wide receiving targets are both questionable and they've been battling injury all week. And I don't think they've been full participants in practice. You know, that's not a recipe for success from Kentucky standpoint. Um, is Stoops the quarterback at Kentucky or the head coach? Yeah, Stoops, Bob Stoops. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I feel for Bob Stoops. You know, you've done well thus far. You know, you played some quality games. You just – Things haven't been going your way this entire year. Um, as for Mississippi State, I think they're just hot right now. I I think their air raid kind of offense has been really effective. And I even think the presence of their running back, given that it is an air raid, even when they do run the ball like the one or two times a game that they might, it's still effective. Like they're able to get decent yardage out of it. Um, yeah, you know, I'm just not completely sold on Kentucky. I just think um, they have a tough hill to climb going into this week and the fact that they have another tough matchup against a ranked opponent doesn't help their case. So I want to take Mississippi state minus three and a half here. You want to start last off? game, last game. Uh, and, and in my opinion, the most interesting game uh, on this. Yeah. Dude, this game is just weird, man. I've, my brain is, I have no confidence high. in a pick for this game to be completely honest with you. Yeah, my confidence in this game is about the same as the Michigan Penn State game because I, I, I don't know because on one side of things we can get a USC team that's going to come out of the gates and Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison are going to be absolutely insane and you know Lincoln Riley is going to be absolutely out of his goddamn mind and play calling he's gonna he's gonna have some LSD type plays written up where he's gonna literally look like he had like where the hell did you pull that out from? Um, and on the, at the same time though, they can come out how they did against Oregon state and just completely shit the bed, throw four picks and just have a terrible game. Um, as for Utah, same situation, played great all year, blowing everyone out. Um, and then you get your ass whooped by UCLA. Okay. Like what, what, what team are we getting in this game? I want to know, 
Um, but look, I think the rankings are a little bit misleading. I don't think the Trojans have played anyone super outstanding. And even I, that, they – I would go on – I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'd go on to Lynn to say they haven't played anyone good. Rice, losing record. Stanford, losing record. Losing Fresno record. State, losing record. Oregon State, I believe, is 500. Not good, though. Oregon State has, is is three and two or four and three, whatever. Arizona State, losing record. Washington State, 500. I mean, let me put it this way. USC beat Oregon State 17 to 14. Utah beat Oregon State 42 to 16. I am inclined to take Utah minus three and a half in this one. Merely now. Hmm. Here, yeah, before, dude. before you give your pick, let me give my intake on this game. Yeah. So I did yeah. a little bit of homework on this game. Try to try to sway me. Sway so, me. So I'm I don't really have a pick. I don't have a pick yet. I just have a lot of uh data and analysis I want to break down that might help both of us help each other make a pick. So right off rip, when I saw Utah was the favorite, I was like, all right, that's a little sketch in my opinion. Um, but there's some things that need to be that there's some factors that need to be added into the reasoning behind this, Zach. First of all, Utah is it's a blackout night game, 8 p.m. on Fox at Utah. Okay, Utah is wearing a blackout uniform, and on their helmet will be a logo painted of the two fallen teammates from last season. So they are honoring their teammates. So when you have a why, that's a scary fucking team. When you're a fighter that fights for a why, that's a scary fucking fighter. When it's bigger than the just the win, that's fucking scary. Okay, there's a reason behind it. So that right there is a little suspect. Both teams are playing similar, averaging 40 points per game and only allowing around 19. Two great quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, 122 for 188, 15, 90 yards, 14 touchdowns, one pick. Cam Rising, 118 for 171, 14, 40 yards, 13 touchdowns, three picks. Now, to me, Zach, this is where you need to look at this game. It comes down to – you you kind of you kind of set it right on which Utah is going to show up, which Utah shows up because there's been two Utahs this year. There's been unbelievable lights out Utah, and there's been what the fuck is this team Utah? And last week you saw what the fuck is this as Dorian Thompson Robinson went 18 for 23, 299 yards and four touchdowns, and also getting 502 total yards of offense on this team. All right, but Utah's defense has 10 interceptions this year. Which is weird because it's like, it's it's which Utah team shows up. This is also Zach, like we talked about scheduling wise. This is the first ranked game for USC all season. Halfway through the season, they get their first ranked game. And on top of that, Utah plays very well at home. They're eighty-one and twenty-five at home under head coach Kyle Win- Whittingham. This is really weird for me because I can either see USC going in there and absolutely destroying them, or I can see Utah winning in a very like well-coached, controlled environment. The other thing I want to bring up, Zach, I, I don't want to consider this uh, Stanford game an away game for USC because it's so close. They're so close to each other. They're both California teams, and honestly, Stanford sucks. So let's. I don't really want to count that. So the only real away game is at Oregon State, in which Stan- USC should have lost. And we both know, everyone that even kind of knows college football knows, the Utah environment is – much, much, much better than that Oregon State environment. It's a real college football environment. So it's going to be interesting to see how that how what goes down. And I think this is the hardest pick of the week, to be completely honest. Um, 
damn. I I have no I it 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 all depends on how Utah comes out. It all depends on what Utah shows up. I I've come to my decision, and I love all the points you put forward. But no matter how much stats you read me off, nothing will ever convince me more than my fucking hatred for Lincoln Riley, and I wish nothing but his downfall. So I'm going to speak it into existence, and Utah will eliminate USC from college football playoff intention. So give me Utah. Give me Utah minus, minus three and a half. They're going to do it for their boys. They're going to do it for their boys that passed. Fuck yeah, I'll take it. Do it for me. Because oh. fuck. I fuck do. I think Lincoln it's – I'm, I'm telling you, I think USC has not played nobody, bro. They really haven't. They Agreed. Really haven't. One more thing. I'm going to say this unless you have any more points to add. There's not a game I want to bet on. This isn't a game I want to bet on, I mean, but it is a game I feel we need to bring up due to my recent success. Nevada is taking on Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> now, you might be like, why the fuck? Why the fuck are you talking about Nevada and Hawaii? These are, these are two teams that you just don't know what's going to happen. Look, Hawaii's average reception, depth of reception is 22.2 yards. You try to throw a pass over 20. 20 yards in the air on this Nevada D. They got a man named Bentley Sanders. Out no way. There. You're not going to get back to back. I mean, obviously I want Bentley too, but there's no way. Yeah. Um, but I, I looked at it. I wasn't going to, but I looked at the game. I was like, who are they playing? It's Hawaii, bro. It's fucking Hawaii. Shit, they're going to try to pass. Two touchdowns and four picks. Yeah, he's throwing a pick. Bent- Bentley. Bentley, not only are you going to get a pick, my friend, it's coming in the second quarter. Oh, you're, How about that, that? you're feeling that dangerous. I'm feeling that dangerous. It's a pick in the second quarter. It's The game's at 11.59 at night. I'm going to stay to watch it and watch our boy get a pick in the second quarter. Oh How about that? Gosh. How about that? That's all from us at Clocks of the Stove for the Week 7 preview. Uh, follow us along. Hopefully, we're able to make you some money this weekend. Um, stay up to date on our Twitter and our Instagram. We will parlay some of these picks. We're going to have a safe parlay pick for you. We're also going to have a risky parlay because, you know, that's just how we get down over here. Clock's on the stove. Let's turn up the heat in the kitchen, and uh, let's keep things rolling. We also will have an interactive poll on our Instagram tomorrow for all the games that we put down today for you guys to pick who you think is going to gonna win just to try to get a little more interactive with everybody. You know, I feel like that's more fun for you guys. It's more fun for us. But if there's a weekend to watch college football from from the, the noon game till the night game, it's this week, bro. Like, it starts off hot. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for tuning in.